0: It seems strange at first that the producers of the Superman movies would move on to an epic about Santa Claus, but in a way it makes sense. Both Superman and Santa are legendary superheroes, able to cure our pains through magical intervention. Both of them can fly through the air, both have large supporting casts. Superman has Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, and Perry White, while Santa has Mrs. Claus, the Elves, and of course, Dasher, Donner, and Blitzen. This 80s flick brought us the origin story we never knew he wanted, and children of the 80s, and early 90s for that matter, saw the jolly old elf come to life on the big screen for the very first time. So sit down with a warm cup of cocoa by the fireplace under the glow of the Christmas tree lights, as Laramie Wells and I discuss Santa Claus the Movie from 1985, on this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. (laughs)
1: great toy maker we should get together Santa has competition it's got a secret ingredient and Christmas is in trouble and we're going to get them away free what free? well that's how we do it at the North Pole Santa Claus is finished it's Christmas Eve I'm going to do my job now the chase is on I just wanted him to see what a good assistant I could be it's a race to save Christmas Santa Claus the movie seeing is believing rated PG
0: Hello, movie viewers and movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams, creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by an 80s Flick-loving guest co-host to talk about one of the great and sometimes not-so-great movies from the 1980s. From blockbusters to cult classics to lesser-known treasures we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter which 80s flick we choose for each episode, we have a lot of fun sharing first-time watch memories, discussing our favorite iconic scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and follow 80s Flick Flashback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And while you're there, leave us a stellar written review and a five-star rating. You can also support the show by following us on our social media pages. Just search for 80s Flick Flashback on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to check out our website, 80sFlickFlashback.com as well. If you want to take your support to the next level, you can become a financial partner for less than $10 a month. The link to financially support the podcast is located in our episode show notes. And while you're there, be sure to check out more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia we just weren't able to fit into today's episode. Thanks for listening. Now, on with the show. All right, well, welcome in, everybody. So glad to have you on this very merry podcast episode, and we have be the first to say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays Uh, to you, everyone out there listening, and to my co-host, Mr. Laramie Wells. Merry Christmas, Laramie. How you doing, man?
2: I am good, or should I say, my elf is good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're yeah. not elf conscious, are you?
0: No. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm elf assured. There you go. There you go. Yeah. The elf puns were a plenty in this. Uh, and bad. That's, and bad. My, <laughs> yeah.
2: that's my least favorite part of this movie.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. So, we're, of course, we're talking about Santa Claus, the movie. The epic uh box office bomb from nineteen eighty-five that uh tried so hard and fell so short, but we still love this movie. I know this this is a guilty pleasure of yours, right? Laramie Yes,
2: yes. I I actually really like this
0: movie. Yeah.
2: Um I yes, I'm not going to say it's perfect. I no. get <laughs> I get its flaws, but there's I don't know if that's nos- it's just it, a it, nostalgia yeah. feel. Yeah. Or this is a very '80s movie. Yes,
0: yes, very much so. Um,
2: yeah, but it also—I I mean, I'm a I'm a Tim Allen Santa Claus guy. Like he's yeah. my top Santa Claus. But yeah. look, the Big Lebowski comes in second right
0: here. <laughs> that's true. That's that's yeah. the, the actor there. I'm the same. It's like I think the Santa Claus Tim Allen probably is my favorite Santa quote unquote Santa Claus movie, but. This was the first big screen Santa Claus that I saw, like going to we'll talk about it here in a minute, going to the theater and seeing this movie on the big screen was a big deal for me because I was, you know, I was that right age when this came out. You not so much. No, no, no. My <laughs> my
2: first uh, big screen Santa Claus was Ernest Saves Christmas.
0: Oh, that's cool, too. Yeah. 88. So, yeah, that that'll work. That'll work. All right. Well, let's jump in. When did you see this Santa Claus, the movie for the very first time on TV? <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: most definitely on TV. I don't remember exactly when uh, mm-hmm. it was. Obviously, when I was when I was still young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it on television. Uh, of course, then when I started my movie collection, I I got it, uh, mm-hmm. and then I just recently got it on Blu-ray, and so uh, so yeah. And I've actually I've actually watched it three times since you asked me to do this.
0: <laughs> oh, you're well, well prepared, much more prepared than me, probably. Um, but yeah, I like I said, I saw this one in the theater. I remember being excited to see this. And, and I remember the McDonald's tie ins, which I know that we you know, doing the research will talk a little bit about product placement and tie ins. Of course, there's a scene in McDonald's in the movie. But I remember McDonald's being huge, like the books that came with it, like yep, all the toys coloring for, books. Yeah. yeah. All the toys for the Happy Meal. So they were pushing it like really, really hard. So and I'm saying they they probably pushed it for a couple of months before it came out to kind of, you know, build that anticipation. And so I remember going to the theater, being excited to see it. And I remember loving the beginning of the movie. And then I don't remember this. I, I don't remember much of my theater experience, the second half, but I remember coming home, having that conversation with myself, like, I think I liked it, but did I like it? It's like, I think I like part of it. And I think I still feel that way now rewatching it. It's like, it's two different movies. The first half is pure bliss yes, and everything I wanted this movie to be. And the second half is everything I don't (laughs) want this movie to be. (laughs) So. is yeah. John John Lithgow just yeah. like once
2: in the scenery. Yeah,
0: once he comes in it's like what are we watching? What is this movie again? Uh yeah, so so we'll definitely definitely talk about that as we get going. So, when was the last time you saw it before we re rewatching it for the podcast? Is this a every Christmas movie for you?
2: I wouldn't say every Christmas, but
0: uh I probably
2: I actually think I did watch it last Christmas.
0: Yeah, I did. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think last year when I, when I watched it was probably the first time I had watched it in a long time, and I can, long time and I can really say this was probably one of those forgotten 80s flicks for me. Like I think in the back of my mind, I remembered it, but it wasn't until mm-hmm. like I heard something about it or like saw a still shot or something in the last couple of years. Like, oh, my gosh, how did I forget about Santa Claus, the movie? And Had actually sat up because, I mean, it's not one they play on TV every year. It doesn't get Mm -mm. kind of the love of other, you know, 80s Christmas movies. And it's kind of a shame because I think if I think if it would get some of the airtime that other movies got, Mm -hmm. it might get a little bit more love than it does. I think.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I totally agree. Because like you said, I mean, the the Santa Claus stuff
3: Mm -hmm.
2: is just I mean, it's like it's Christmas. Like, yeah oh yeah yeah like it's good it's good santa claus stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh you know again the stuff with john lithgow gets a little weird but but all of the santa claus stuff is good stuff except the super duper looper um yeah <laughs> i don't i don't know when you want to talk about that but that's yeah my... we're, we're,
0: we're there now let's just go for it why not
2: yeah it that is the most pointless part of this movie <laughs> I mean, it's fun when he's talking to Joe and Mm -hmm. he was like, you know, oh, we've never been able to do the super duper looper. Mm -hmm. But then when they're rescuing Joe and patch, it's Mm -hmm. like, I think this is the only thing that's going to work is the super duper looper. Right. And then what he does, I'm just like, how, how was
0: that better than just being (laughs) under them? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's that it's like the first half of the movie is, A director's vision and a writer's vision, like it's like you. We've we talked about this on other some of your podcasts about you know bad movies, and I wouldn't qualify this one as a bad movie. It's not a great movie, not a great, but it's but it's not it's not a bad movie, I don't think. Um, but you can tell where at some point it becomes a movie by uh, studio or by committee, where it's like, oh, we've got to have this, or we've got to have this, we've got to have that, and they just kind of throw, I think, too much in the second half, and that that you know super duper loop or whatever is that thing where like we need this one thing that he's got to do yeah, that, this, it's, that, yeah. it's that that one uh trope that the movie yeah. has to have
2: it's this thing that uh santa can't do but he has mm-hmm. to be able to do it at the end and, right right and i guess they just yeah i would have just loved to have seen the writers uh just going <laughs> what could it be what could it right, be right um now let, uh, let alone the fact that uh this is a Saul movie, mm-hmm. which you know you talked about in your opening, this being like Superman, and of course right. that was a notorious thing with Superman
3: mm-hmm. of mm-hmm.
2: Richard Donner wanting to make one movie and yeah. and them going nope 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 we're <laughs> gonna make this other movie and then we end up with the craziness uh, <laughs> that is the Superman movies and Supergirl because this is the same yes, yes. The same people who did Supergirl it is the yeah. same director
0: yep yep so. You're, yeah. you're, you're right where I am. Let's talk about story origin and pre-production, and we'll, we'll definitely tie all those things together. So this movie was conceived by Ilya Salkind in the wake of the apparently waning critical and U.S. box office success of 1983 Superman 3 and its immediate follow-up, 1984 Supergirl. Ilya Salkind, uh, that if you don't know, is a Mexican film and television producer known for his contributions to three of the four live action Superman movies of the 70s, 80s, alongside his father, Alexander Salkind. Uh, But Santa Claus, the movie, was directed, as Laramie said, by Supergirl director Janot Zwark. I'm going to say that maybe close Mm. enough. Yeah, Uh, sure. From a story by David and Leslie Newman, though David Newman took sole screenplay credit, Pierre Spingler, Ilya's longtime partner and a longtime collaborator of the Salkinds, joined Ilya as the project's producer. Uh, I love this fun fact. John Carpenter was originally offered the yes, chance to direct. I, I knew that. Yeah. But also wanted to stay would on. I'm sorry, but also wanted a say in the writing musical score and final cut of the film, which is which understandable. All
2: kinds would not
0: do right. Uh Carpenter's original choice for the role of Santa was Brian Dennehy, which I thought was an interesting choice. I like that choice. I'm not mad yeah. at it. Yeah. And of course, Lerman, I talked about Brian Dennehy on our first blood episode. Another Christmas movie, if you want to call it that. <laughs> it does take place at Christmas. Uh, Zwerg, however, felt that he needed an actor with more warmth than Dennehy. Uh Guy Hamilton, who had, who had to withdraw from directing Superman the movie in 1976, lobbied hard for the chance to direct the movie, but only on the condition that it be shot either in Los Angeles, Vancouver, or Rome. Ultimately, the Salkinds chose Swart because of their excellent working relationship on Supergirl, which... You can read between the lines and say because he didn't put up a fuss with them wanting to do what they want to do with the movie, they chose they chose yeah. to use him to direct so they could kind of do what they want. He'll wanted. do what we want, right? Right. Which I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault the director in this one because I think uh, now this there's is the same moments, yeah. And this is the same guy who directed somewhere in time. Yes. Yeah. He had a couple. of That's a great movie. Yeah. Jaws two, maybe not so much, but he eh. directed that one was well. but yeah, somewhere in time he did, he did have some, some good movies as well. So uh, yeah, it's, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Choices were made. Yes. Choices were made. That's, that's the best way to say it. So, uh, so that's really all I have as far as pre-production. It was basically filmed pretty much all in Pinewood studios in London. Same Um, place
2: they filmed Superman.
0: Yep. So uh, which you can tell a lot of its sets, which is still, I read something, which I didn't put this in my notes, but about the budget, like they spent a lot of money, which is why it's considered such a bomb because they couldn't make the money back. The Um, sets are awesome. Yeah. And someone was like, I don't see this money. I don't see the money that they put in this movie. And I'm like, I don't know if you're looking hard enough because Santa's workshop is phenomenal. The toy, every toy was handmade and was donated to a children's hospital after the movie was made. So I'll throw that out early. Um, but the the costumes, the, you know, even mm-hmm. the, the scene at the beginning with uh, Santa and his wife, when before he becomes, quote unquote, Santa Claus, when they're in freezing, the snow, to, death. freezing, yeah, freezing to death, you know, all of that being inside a studio is I mean, yeah. that's expensive to do. Yeah. That wasn't shot on location somewhere. So let's take a moment. I want to ask you this. Yes. Did they die? I was going to. Yeah, I want to talk about that. I say they do, and I was gonna say, what a great way to have a good kid friendly <laughs> yeah. movie. And welcome I think to I, the eighties, right? Look. I think I remember having that that thought in the movie theater, like, oh my god, is 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 Santa Claus dead? Did you just kill Santa Claus? Like, yeah, you know? yeah, no. But again, that's so
2: eighties, like that's what yeah. we grew up with. Yeah, you know, exactly. There's you, you got you got a Turo uh, in a never never ending story. Mm-hmm uh you've got um atreo i want to say aturo atreo yeah, i knew what you meant yeah uh and never ending story you've got um uh et like yeah you know, all white and pale right and, right. and, and yeah yeah you always get the these fox moments and, in 80s movies bambi yeah,
0: the, fo- the fox yeah. and the hound i mean it's not an 80s kids movie if somebody yeah. doesn't die early in the first half
3: yeah. or at
0: some point in the movie but yeah so so, yeah, I, I had even watching it again the other day. I was like, I think they it's like they don't really tell you all the way, but they give you enough. Like as an adult, you're like, yeah, he's dead. You know, So, so yeah. it's, but as a kid, you're kind of like, I don't. And it's confusing, too, because he comes in as Claus. He's so, Uncle Claus. Uncle yeah. Claus. So for a kid that doesn't, you know, you, they're kind of thinking that they think of him as Santa Claus, not as this regular human, that's just, you know, kind, you know, kind couple that gives, Mm. you know, toys to their, their family. So it is a little confusing. And I think I might've been, I think I remember being a little confused watching it as a kid, but it's still well done. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some stuff they didn't
2: quite think through. Yeah. But going back to this, I do think it's really left up to the viewer as to did, did they die? Right. Um, because I think it's Donner, uh, Donner. Because for those of you who've never seen the movie, he already has uh, Donner and Blitzen. Yeah, um, as his two two reindeer, Uh, and they're all Donner and Blitzen have collapsed in the Mm snowstorm, and then Mm -hmm. um, Claus and Mrs. Claus uh, or Anya, Anya. Anya, Anya, Although he says Anya, um, (laughs) I I kept pointing that out. I was like, why is he keep saying Anya? Uh, but yeah, they're freezing and they're, they're, they're not moving. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden a little light starts to shine, which I guess is supposed to be the Christmas light, Mm
3: -hmm. the Christmas star. star. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And Donner, I think it's Donner that wakes up, Mm -hmm. but you're still sitting there going, yeah, but does he wake up because he sees the star or is the magic of the star waking him up? What is waking them up?
0: Right. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and then of course when they're told uh, you're you'll you're immortal now, you mm-hmm. know you'll you'll never age, I'm
0: like, right? Because this is you know <laughs> the
2: afterlife for you, right? Right.
0: Yeah. right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm i the same way. Like I think that's definitely left up to the viewer, but in my mind it was, you know, I think they, you know,
2: they so died. they did die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Merry
0: Christmas. Yeah. And then it made me think later on in the movie, like, you know, as, as it, of course it jumps, you know, you know, uh, centuries or whatever, but you never went to the family. Like they were going to visit a family. Like there, we never saw what that felt like, whatever happened to uncle Claus, like, no, you know, (laughs) what what did that family think? You know? Uh, So I guess, which I guess
2: based off the way this movie plays out, I'm sure he tells them because they don't seem to really care about this secret. Yeah,
0: um, yeah 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 i do i will say that as it gets yeah once you kind of meet joe and the and the girl i can't remember her name now all of a sudden uh but yes yeah, like he's not trying to hide from the kids or be you know kind of a secret like you said so it well does. and
2: even when patch goes on oh patch just himself <laughs> yeah. revealing himself to uh bz mm-hmm. immediately mm-hmm. and then when he goes on television and all of the elves see it like mm-hmm. they don't really look all that upset right, that he's right. just exposed their mm-hmm. their secrets to the world. So I, I that I had a little bit of a problem with is yeah. I'm like, wait, y'all are this y'all are this magical race of small men, elves. Right. Right. Uh my Not a fairy. Went, yeah, my <laughs> mind just went blank on the name that they call oh, them Yeah. At the, beginning. at the beginning, yeah. Um who have this um, uh, who have this magical place that no one can see right right and but then welcome to the 80s and we're just gonna <laughs> santa's just gonna show himself to every kid he wants to and right uh an elf is just gonna go hey look uh even though i i clearly know you're a bad person um i'm gonna <laughs> share with you this this secret and we're gonna um Tell the whole world Then we're gonna let all the whole world fly and mm-hmm. I
0: just like, yeah, okay. it gets yeah, it gets really weird in that third act. <laughs> Second yeah. half of the movie. Yeah. And now these messages. Hey 80s flick lovers. Just wanna take a few minutes and say thanks again for listening to the 80s flick flashback podcast. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We don't have any shout-outs to new subscribers this time, but if you'd like to support the podcast on a monthly basis through buymeacoffee.com, we do offer three tiers of support. We have Cult Classic for $5 a month, Be Kind, Please Rewind for $10 a month, and Box Office Blockbuster for $15 a month. You can even receive an 80s Flick Flashback t-shirt if you become a Box Office Blockbuster member, so don't miss out. You can also leave a one-time donation for $5 or more if you choose. Just go to our website, 80sflickflashback.com, or the link in the show notes for more details and how to start your subscription membership. We'll always offer free episodes. We'll never put any of our past seasons or episodes behind a paywall. But it does cost money to keep the podcast running. Since the creation of the podcast, I've personally paid monthly for the website, the Zoom account, various movie rentals and streaming subscriptions, marketing tools, and any other miscellaneous expenses that pop up from time to time. If you love the show, then please consider being one of our subscription members through buymeacoffee.com. Every little bit helps and it's greatly appreciated. Hey, you can also support the show by buying an official logo, t-shirt, sweatshirt, or sticker from our brand new online store. There are multiple styles and colors to choose from. So go check out the selection also on our website, as well as the link in the show notes. If you wanna do something special for my birthday coming up in November or just for the holidays, you can find my Amazon wish list at the link in the show notes. I've compiled a list of Blu-rays and DVDs that I wanna to add to my collection, some are 80s, some are not, as I move away from digital content and back to physical copies. Hey, if you love 80s pop music and movie soundtracks as much as I do, you can also find the 80s flick flashback movie songs mixed playlist on Apple Music. It's full of hit songs like Footloose, Ghostbusters, and Purple Rain, as well as some deeper cuts from 80s flicks like Catch Me Now and Falling from Hiding Out, Rhythm of the Night from The Last Dragon, and Babysitting Blues from Adventures in Babysitting. This would have been my ultimate movie soundtrack mixtape growing up if I could have found a cassette tape to hold seven hours worth of songs. Thanks again for listening. I really do appreciate every one of you, and I'm amazed each week to watch the number of new listeners grow. It's because of you and your support that the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast is still going strong. Let's keep the fun going. Now, let's get back to the show. Uh, let's talk a little bit about casting. So because he's top build, we'll start with Dudley Moore as Patch, even though it's not Patch the movie, it's yeah, Santa so Claus the movie. There's, there's, you know,
2: there's you another Superman connection. Right. So you know, Superman was third build. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Reeve was third build in Superman the movie. Right. And right. Santa Claus, uh, David Hiddleston is third build <laughs> in this movie. How crazy is that?
0: Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So Dudley Moore, of course, is Patch. Uh, a little bit about him. His career as a comedy film actor was marked by hit films, particularly Bedazzled in '67, set in swinging '60s London. Uh, he was also in Foul Play in '78, Ten in 1979, and Arthur in 1981, probably his best known role. For Arthur, Moore was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actor and won a Golden Globe Award. He received a second Golden Globe for his performance in Mickey and Maud in 84. Moore was awarded a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 87. Uh, and he made his last public appearance in 2001. Of course, he passed away. Um, but Dudley Moore was the Salkind's top choice to play the lead elf in the film. Ilya Salkind having remembered a scene in Arthur in which Liza Minnelli's character asks Moore if he is Santa's little helper. way to to get the casting done Uh, Moore was attached to the project early on and had a say in both scripting and choice of director David Newman's first script draft named Moore's character Ollie but Moore decided the name which should be changed to Patch which was the nickname of his young son Patrick oh that's sweet yeah so kind of nice and then he was actually supposed to be uh, briefly considered for a role in an aborted script for Superman 3 and also he was considered hmm. for the role of Nigel in Supergirl, but he was a he was he turned it down and offered it to his friend Peter Cook. So
2: Yeah. I so, don't know if that would have made Supergirl any no, better.
0: No. Dudley Moore, is he a good Patch? I mean, I think he is Patch. There's no but
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know what you would compare it to.
0: Yeah. Patch is an interesting character in the sense of it does tend to become his story. In the second half, more so than Santa, yeah, true. and and so once again goes back to what we've been saying from the beginning. You've really got two separate movies, but he's not terrible with what he's given. Hmm. But other other than the elf puns, yeah, the elf puns, which I was like, you had script, you you know, you you had final say on script, Ah. you you approved this, Uh, but there is a story that him and Lithgow became friends during the filming. And they, when they watched the first screener of it before it was released, uh, Dudley Moore is known as quoting saying it was a career ender after oh, wow. watching the first first cut. So, uh, but you signed on to do it. So, uh, but anyway, I, I like Dudley Moore. I mean, I've liked other movies that he's in or he's been in. Oh
2: yeah, Arthur. I love Arthur. Yeah,
0: Arthur is great. Um, I like Bedazzled. It's kind of a you know funny movie. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't
2: think I've ever seen. The, the, that, original. the original original yeah. yeah
0: yeah so but it's just it is it is interesting what i did think was interesting too is that of course dudley moore is pretty short but they didn't really do too much with the height like i think about the lord of the rings how you had yeah a big the perspective perspectives, perspectives yeah. and stuff even with the more recent elf but he's just a few he's like maybe a foot shorter than john Lithgow in those scenes when they're in the office i
2: don't know no john Lithgow does tower over him yeah. but i know what you're saying like with santa
3: mm-hmm. you know
2: they don't do an awful lot which i think is fine you know yeah i mean especially you're you're looking at the 80s yeah. so really what could you do mm-hmm. um without hiring little people right so i think you know hey look they went out they found what i would just assume was a bunch of jockeys <laughs> uh shorter men yeah right. and they uh they 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 got him the role as these elves. Yeah.
0: So, All right. I think that works. But Dudley Moore fan in this? Oh yeah,
2: I'm a fan of him in this. Yeah. Uh, again, I I other than Arthur, and I mean obviously he's the narrator of Milo Notice. Um, what else do I know him from? Uh, oh, like father, uh,
3: like father, uh, yeah, like, like son, son with, Kurt with Cameron. Kurt Cameron, Kirk Cameron. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's probably oh, and ten. Yeah, why am I yeah, not thinking yeah. about ten? Right. Yeah, I've seen 10 mm-hmm. I think that's really all I've ever seen him in. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, I don't really have strong feelings about yeah. Dudley Moore.
0: Yeah. Okay. This was kind of a different role for him. It's very different than like Arthur and like Father Like Son, even Ten, he's not really this same kind of character. So that was a little yeah. stretch for him.
2: Not, not as smarmy, not as uh right. drunk.
0: Right, um, right. Yeah. So, next in line, who comes in almost an hour into the movie, John Lithgow as BZ. Excuse yeah, just,
2: just laying it on thick, <laughs> John on Lithgow. Thick.
0: And what a name, BZ. Do we ever find yep. out what, it's, what it stood for? Not to my knowledge. Yeah, I don't remember. So, John Lithgow's early screen roles included Bob Fosse's All That Jazz in 79 and Brian De Palma's Blowout in 81. He received Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor nominations for his breakout performance in The World According to Garp with Robin Williams in 82, as well as his role in not Terms of Not the greatest Robin
2: Williams movie. It's
0: not the greatest, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, Terms of Endearment in 83. He then starred in films like Footloose in 84, Harry and the Hendersons in 87. Classic. As well as The Pelican Brief in Cliffhanger in 93. He was a good villain in Cliffhanger. Uh, for the role of BZ, the producers wanted a star with a similar stature to Gene Hackman, when he had played lex luther and superman to this end they offered the role to harrison ford who turned them down they also made offers to dustin hoffman burt reynolds and johnny carson each of whom also turned the part down eventually john lithgow was settled on after Ilya salkind watched terms of endearment and realized he had a quote-unquote grinch type look to him so
2: you know it was funny uh, as i was watching it um ruby actually came in and she heard him talking
0: Mm -hmm.
2: she was like is that the guy that plays the grinch (laughs) it's like no and she's like because it sounds like the grinch yeah so and the more i thought about it i was like yeah it kind of does for
3: free
2: yeah (laughs) yeah you you know you're talking about cliffhanger i mean he plays a good villain
0: he does
3: and um, you know that's
2: that's his even when he's even he was laying on as cheesy as he is in this i yeah, mean he's yeah. he's for for the type of movie that it is mm-hmm. he's a good
3: villain
0: yeah it's interesting because i'm i'm wondering like did he was he there when they filmed the first half of this movie or did he just come <laughs> in it's like because it just doesn't he just doesn't match anything else
2: I'm also confused by so he is uh, and I think the the name of I was trying to think of the name of the little girl when you missed I think it's Caroline is it Caroline
0: That's probably right, yeah, we'll say he is after.
2: her step uncle
0: yes Weird connection. which um
2: which I'm going, okay, so does that mean he's the brother of one of your parents, but they you were already one of your parents' child, and <laughs> then they married that how he's just and also does does he
0: have custody of her yeah it's it's all so blurred i have no idea because it appears to be his house yeah even
2: though the nanny says your step-uncle is here go with him a merry christmas like he mm-hmm. was visiting yeah but then later it seems like it's his house and there's no other relative around that we're ever introduced yeah. to. right so that that was confusing yeah um I do like though when she comes in she goes, you know, "Merry Christmas, Uncle." And uh he turns it. he goes, "Merry Christmas indeed," And then gives the evil laugh. Like <laughs> like instead of having the, you know, dun dun dun, he's right. like you just have John <laughs> yeah. Lithgow ha, 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 ha. do the laugh like, okay, that's right. The mm-hmm. villain is is related to the little girl."
0: <laughs> Once again, it's like I think he read a different script or he he was given a different vision of this movie than everybody else. So Bethany's
2: wording was, "He's the only one who knows what kind of movie this is." <laughs> that sounds exactly
0: what like what Bethany would say. Yeah, and probably isn't too far from the truth, uh, because it's interesting. Because like you said, they they were looking for kind of a similar to Gene Hackman, but Hackman isn't really cheesing it up the no. way Lithgow is. Ha- Hackman
2: walks a fine line yeah. on the cheese. Yeah, and, but but he does it very well mm-hmm. no uh john lithgow just jumped right over the line mm-hmm. um honestly uh it, it was his it was uh his uh oh what was his name it's his character from 30 rock from the sun playing yes. a villain. that's oh, yeah, what yeah, it yeah, is
0: yeah yeah it's so over the top and so exaggerated mm. maybe that's maybe that's the word he's so exaggerated in everything like there's nothing that's subtle in his performance at all that I can that I yeah. can think of off the top of my head. Nah, it's it's so over the top. You know, nah. it, I, even
2: it, even the b- before the for free when he's doing the yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah And I know what it, I, the scene where he meets Patch for the first time. I think needed about two more minutes of him at least having some kind of doubt or, you know, some kind of yeah. Show me what you can do besides just disappear and reappear in my office. Like yeah. he 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 becomes he, invested he, way too quick. Well, but he
2: also patch teleports a couple of times. Yeah. Then yeah. as soon as he tells him he's an one of Santa's elves, mm-hmm. he goes, Oh, just what I thought. You're you're from the escape, you know, <laughs> the asylum. From the asylum. How'd you know I escaped? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm immediately going, dude, just teleported in front of me. Right. You. Right. Like, right. <laughs>
0: why why are you now doubting anything? Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I, but but I, I the, agree but, with you. but but he he agrees to all of Patch's terms without seeing anything. Like I would have thought Patch could have like made something for him at the be- you know it's like see I can make this or this is what I can do. I don't know. I just yeah. I thought it was it was it was a big. Also, stretch.
2: it's weird that they're relaying it all as I've got this special thing. I make toys, 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 mm-hmm. toys, 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 toys. Toys. Here's a lollipop.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> There's something special.
2: Yeah. Here's a lollipop. Mm-hmm.
0: That,
2: uh, yeah, that I had a little bit of an issue with. And as then well. I, and,
0: like, and when it got to the lollipop, I was like, okay, so are we trying to bring in like Willy Wonka? Has it become like a Willy Wonka movie now? It just, no. it gets, it, it becomes such a conglomeration of oh, other people. Can things. we,
2: can we go back to him being, at, when we're introduced to him in front of the congressional uh, <laughs> board? Right, right. And then they, they rip off the Saturday Night Live yes, sketch. Yes, yes, a
0: hundred percent. Yeah, this was with in Dan- your bag of toys. Yeah, right? with
2: yeah. the the teddy bear filled with glass and right, uh, right. and nails and mm-hmm. my, I'm going hold up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> First, again, you ripped off the Dan Aykroyd sketch from Saturday right. Night Live. Right. Two. Mm-hmm. that doesn't happen accidentally. No, no. Like, right. Okay. The flammable doll. All right. They need to to mm-hmm. work with a different material or whatnot. Right. But when you dump that stuff out and you're going, <laughs> all right, we're, we're putting you on a probation, you know, no arrest this man.
3: Right. Arrest, arrest this man. Man.
2: Right. <laughs> Put shards of glass and nails inside <laughs> of teddy bears. Like that, that that's a heinous action.
0: Yes, they're like, we have to show how evil he really is. That's, 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 oh man. All right, moving on. So the great David Huddleston as Claus, Santa Claus, an Emmy Award nominee, Huddleston had a prolific television career and appeared in many films, including Rio Lobo, Blazing Saddles, Crime Busters, Santa Claus, the movie, of course, and as Larry mentioned, The Big Lebowski. Yeah, much different role. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So Ilya Salkine wanted an American actor to portray Santa Claus because he felt the film focused on a primary, primary piece of Americana in much the same way that Superman had. Sork screen tested such actors as David White, who being in his late sixties was considered too old for the role and Moore's Arthur co-star Benny Martin. I'm sorry, Barney Martin. For a while, Ilya Salkine actually pursued Carol O'Connor, little Archie Bunker. For the role before Swark showed him David Huddleston's screen test, which won Salkind over. But I think Huddleston's great. I think oh, yeah. he's perfectly he's, cast. Yes.
2: Yes. Again, prior to to Tim Allen Santa Claus for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Like this was Santa Claus.
0: Yes, hundred like, percent.
2: This this is how I envisioned Santa Claus as a child. Mm-hmm. This is the Santa Claus that I picture. Um. You know, this was my ideal Santa Claus. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I think he he was picture perfect for the role um yeah there is another part now that we're, we're kind of i know we're kind of jumping all over the place but that's what we do best um but this movie does a little bit yeah of exactly too. uh we're, we're on theme we have this br- when when he hears the uh, night before christmas poem and then becomes self-conscious about his weight we see the diet and then it never gets brought back up again right No, so there is a deleted scene okay okay
2: it's okay. it doesn't Advance the story (laughs) at all, but there is a deleted scene in which he is struggling to get down a chimney. Oh, okay. And I think Donner, or I think it's Donner, uh, is kind of you know snickering. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And uh, he was like, Oh, you think it's funny? He goes, Why don't you come and try it and all that? (laughs) And one, yes, okay, there's the another little fat reference, but also I'm going, This doesn't make any sense because he does the little teleport thing,
0: yes, exactly.
2: So there is no going down a chimney, mm-hmm.
0: um,
2: but no that that is one of many things that doesn't pay off, <laughs> in my opinion. Right. Uh, also, going back to "Twas the Night Before Christmas," <laughs> Santa apparently reveals himself so much that they were able to write that poem.
0: Right. Because if right. you really
2: think about that poem, they know the names of the reindeer,
0: mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they know
2: how santa does things that you know the touching the side of his nose right
0: right all
2: of that is in that so it's one of those things that they think they're clever by saying oh we're gonna put it in here as if it you know Mm -hmm. is based on this i'm going no but you create all this (laughs) these problems in your own little universe right right of the only way this person can write this is if they actually saw santa claus right right but then you also got to remember the end of twice the night before christmases and i heard him exclaim mm-hmm. you know and, or even the you know on dash or on dancer or on prance or which, right. which he does none of that he just he says it, yeah. yo
0: because <laughs> it's 80s that's he just says said, yo that's what he said in that he just saying yo yeah thank, thank you sylvester stallone
2: yeah <laughs> but while my mind's on to it getting into another thing that doesn't make any sense so the you know opening of the movie hundreds of years Mm -hmm. uh, in the past. Then all this time passed. We're now in the eighties. And you're telling me this is the first time that Santa has ever met a homeless child.
0: (laughs) Yes, that does seem odd. So during the great depression, (laughs) but you know, homelessness, you know, yeah. Homelessness really was only a problem in the eighties. I'm just kidding. Yeah. The great depression. Yeah. They skip a lot of history. They skip a lot of history.
2: Yeah. It's almost like, what has he, yeah. What has he experienced <laughs> in these hundreds of years that he's been Santa?
0: Yeah. Uh, and then I, I wasn't, once again, it's convenient plot, but I didn't understand why all of a sudden, if he's immortal, why all of a sudden he needs an assistant. Like yeah. Just why is be- he getting
2: tired? And Yeah.
0: It's like, why, yeah. you know, you've been working yourself too hard. I'm like, yeah, but he's immortal. He doesn't get tired, right? I mean, it, it shouldn't Apparently, he can
2: get tired and be right. immortal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's – well, but let's also talk about the fact that three years passes in this movie, like <laughs> yeah. for the main plot, for the main oh, yeah, plot. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet Joe and Caroline do don't not do age. Do not age a day. It's and I'm age. sorry. I'm sorry. Children mm-hmm. that are that young will <laughs> age first. dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. In three years.
0: Right. Right.
2: But it, it is three years. There are three different Christmases. And yeah. then, of course, leading into the, I guess, March or whatever, Christmas two is supposed <laughs> to happen.
0: Christmas two. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. And, and yeah, I'm just like, they don't age. Mm-hmm. Joe ne- Joe never finds another pair of clothes.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Come yeah. on.
2: He's wearing the same clothes. Every year,
0: mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. Santa, I appreciate the toys, but can I get a new jacket?
2: Yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm all over the place now too. That's
0: right. And what happens at
2: the end? Do Joe and Caroline go on to live? Right. with the clauses.
0: See, there there was one part of them when I was rewatching it the other day. There's a part where it shows like Joe and Caroline together, and I'm like, in my maybe maybe it was the ending I created in my mind, or was like. I felt like we were going to see them like older, like they were a married couple later and they still, then then Santa Claus. I was like, I created my own better ending at some point in my mind.
2: You know what I actually thought could have been a a better story. I mean, you would have had to change a lot. Yeah. So when we first see Joe and Caroline, Mm -hmm. could it not have been like 1900s?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The
2: way way Caroline's dressed, the way Mm -hmm. the house looks. Yeah. And and I I felt
0: like they were in London, not, in the yeah. United States.
2: And, yeah. And him looking like, you know, the, the little beggar boy, mm-hmm. but even, even if it wasn't that long, like, okay, put it in the forties mm-hmm. or something. Wouldn't it have been interesting to have a story where the Joe character uh, sees Santa uh, or sees the, the bum, the, uh, the Salvation Army Santa that steals the money. And
0: right. Right. Maybe
2: he sees another thing of a, a bad Santa and so he has this hatred for Santa, mm-hmm. and then he grows up to be BZ. Oh yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, you've like got that Caroline. You've got Caroline who holds on to the Christmas spirit,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and, but they they never ended up together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Santa reunites them. Now that they're older and, and you have the, the turnaround of the villain yeah. as well, oh, with yeah, the, yeah. which you don't get in this. Not at in all. In fact, in fact, uh, h- how is BZ still alive? I want to know. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: He's floating in space somewhere.
2: But going back to what we originally said with BZ now floating in space with Joe already being, uh, you assume an orphan.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: like, And now Caroline, I guess, is an orphan. Mm-hmm. If BZ was in fact her. Her uh, uh,
0: guardian right yeah, yeah.
2: yeah then then yeah are they now because they did they did this whole thing about the clauses never had their own children
0: mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: and so but again it's this it's this plot that doesn't ever work out <laughs> no. in, in any way shape or form yeah
0: and like, there's a lot the...
2: of story here without conclusions
0: yes and like and and don't like conclusions the movie just kind of ends and i'm like mm-hmm. I don't understand what really just like, I get it stuff happened, but it just, it's like, it just, they just had to tie it all up. Like we're out of money. We're out of time. Yeah. Here's the ending. Cause even after
2: watching it three times within the last few weeks, <laughs> why was patch loading up all of the candy canes and going, where was he going?
0: Yeah. Very unclear.
2: I, I wasn't sure. He says something about, Needing to get the inventory so Santa can do something faster or something. But I'm just like, I, but why? Mm-hmm. The only reason you're taking the candy canes is because we've set up that they're going to explode. Like, <laughs> Right, right. And so that gives us a, a harrowing conflict where Santa's right. going to have to save The you.
0: ticking time bomb yeah. that we have to put um, under the table, yeah.
2: And how long that stuff had to explode before either of them realized it.
0: Right, right. Uh, no no this was my favorite line of the whole movie sorry i interrupt you my favorite my favorite line was when when uh bz's assistant is telling him like we had an explosion but patch was asleep on the other side so he didn't hear anything and i'm like yeah yeah how in the world did he miss a whole warehouse exploding yeah uh that just that made me laugh sorry
2: yeah oh well no it's also in that scene where he's talking to lithgow and lithgow's doing the uh uh-huh oh yeah Uh Uh uh-huh Uh huh. And can then you, eventually, just said, "Can you get on?" I oh, said, "I'm getting of Short statements and making me yeah. say, "Uh huh." Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that it's was like, probably my favorite
0: line. Yeah, yeah. it's like, <laughs> "It's like half of this movie is a Saturday Night Live skit that never got, you know, that it's 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 almost oh yeah, it's almost no, this higher and then so
2: do you remember when John Lithgow was on Saturday Night Live with uh, John Lovitz with the actor? Uh, it's oh, acting, yeah. yes, brilliant, yes, yes, like, yes. That is what John Lithgow. <laughs> he is that <laughs> character playing this. Yeah, in this movie,
0: one hundred percent. You're correct. Oh man. Okay, let me finish. I got one more person on the cast, and then we were we're all over the place. But it's all good. the Penguin. Yes, Burgess Meredith as the ancient elf with eight lines. Eight lines. Yes. <laughs> Meredith was known for his appearance on the Twilight Zone and for portraying, as Laramie said, the penguin in the 1960s TV series Batman. And, of course, boxing trainer Mickey Goldmill in the Rocky film series. Come on, Rock, the heart of a champion. Uh, that's my best impression. Uh, For his performances in The Day of the Locust in 75 and Rocky 76, he received nominations for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Of course, I remember him was also from Clash of the Titans from 1981. He also narrated numerous films and documentaries during his long career. Grumpy so, old man. Grumpy old, men is, grumpy oh old man. Grumpy old man. That's yes. I know it's not an eighties movie. Yeah.
2: But he is hilarious.
3: Fantastic. In the grumpy movie. old Men movies. Yes.
0: Yes. Oh man. We want me and my wife watched the first one like this time last year. Like right, it was after Christmas, but it was still like winter outside. Yeah. It's still so funny. Anyway. All right. First. Uh, so the role of the ancient elf was written with James Cagney in mind. So he huh. liked the film's overall idea. Cagney, who was 84 at the time, had to turn down the role because he was too weak by age to perform it.
2: I could see that.
0: Yeah. Then Fred Astaire was considered. But when this eventually came to nothing, uh, Dudley Moore suggested Burgess Meredith for the role. So so thanks to Dudley Moore, <laughs> we got Burgess Meredith.
2: Go to someone who's not as old.
0: Right. Right.
2: Because Fred Astaire, Fred Astaire died in the 80s. So
0: yeah, he had to have been. Older, I don't know how, if not the same yeah,
2: age as Cagnu. i don't know how old he was but yeah. i know he i know he he died in the 80s yeah so but yeah
0: great cameo by burgess meredith which i think he's like the main narration at the beginning of the trailer like his like his speech is basically the beginning of the trailer isn't
2: yeah it? yeah I, it might be i, I don't remember. I think so
0: yeah yeah all right but well, yeah. that's all that, anybody else yeah. in the cast that you that i i mean we we I skipped over a lot of people only because there wasn't much in their filmography that was much to talk about or really much in the movie that they were, a ma- I mean, we covered the major characters and Burgess Meredith, who's not a major character, just a, a name uh, in the movie.
2: Yeah, no, I know that I've seen some of the other uh, the el- elves. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen some of them in other things. Right. Um, I know one of them uh, was in like Uh, a few episodes of doctor who as an alien yeah um saw that yeah uh but um yeah i I didn't really didn't really uh no one else really screamed out at me as yeah that's someone else you can talk to i mean even mrs claus Mm -hmm. um you know i was like yeah i don't know what else she's
0: she had done a lot on. of British, British TV, like pe- people that were a British TV would know her. Cause she was in Midsummer mysteries or Midsummer murders. And then keeping up with appearances, I think were two of the things that rang a bell on her filmography as okay. I was looking, but I've seen nothing, keeping
2: <laughs> up with appearances. So I'm, yeah. I may, may not remember who she is in that. Yeah.
0: And I liked, I will say, since you brought up, I liked her in the role. I think she did well with what she, you know, what she was given. She didn't have, you know, much to do. Um, yeah, but there was
2: there was also because you see a a quick thing in like one of the montages as they're getting used to the North Pole, there was a scene in which uh, she she kind of uh, upsets the elf cook. Oh, really. Um, which, you know, there is the scene where you see her try some of his mm-hmm. like soup or stew oh, or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then she puts a little seasoning in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess they work things out. But um, <laughs> you see like their first encounter and she just does not like his stew at mm-hmm. all, uh, which also leads me to other questions. Like, what is their stew? Like, what are they eating? <laughs> right. Right. I'm very curious as to mm-hmm. what they're eating. Um, also, this just randomly popped into my head. Go for it. When the clauses are asleep for, I, I guess, that first night mm-hmm. um, and you see their little door, the little circular door where right. they have some sort of like cubby,
3: mm-hmm.
2: there's a lock on the outside of that door. <laughs> Go back and look. There's one of those little, like, you can yeah. move, turn, turn the little piece of wood. Yeah. And it would, oh, yeah, yeah. It would prevent you from opening. I'm like, they, they could just lock the clauses in there. <laughs> like, right. Right. I don't didn't understand the purpose of that lock. Mm-hmm. There is a lock on that. Right. Whatever set designer created that put a lock on that door. <laughs> um, so I found that interesting.
0: Something's missing with this door. Can we put a lock on it? Yeah, we'll do that right away.
2: Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the <laughs> the point of putting that on there was. Right. But they put a lock on the door. I also love how uh, Patch, uh, you know, he, he's supposed to have all these ideas and and all, and you know, he shares with Santa. He had this idea of a clock that will wake you mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. And then, in the very next scene, we see a clock wake <laughs> up the elves.
3: Mm-hmm. So, it, so did
2: so did Patch create it, or did <laughs> this thing already exist?
0: Right, right. It's
2: literally in the next scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um they also never explain although i i think i figured it out do you notice that after they wake up they then turn the name
0: yeah i did see on that on the bed yeah
2: they don't explain that Hmm. i thought maybe it's a they they it's sleep like shift. in shifts yeah, yeah that's what
0: i was thinking yeah that was my thought
2: but you never see them even like pass another right. group of elves right right so right. That, that's another one of those storyline <laughs> things that just does not have a explanation or an outcome mm-hmm. or yeah there's a lot in this <laughs> there's a lot i also don't understand how the toys and patches machine they don't get any bolts in them
0: mm-hmm.
2: things don't get disconnected but when they come out of that machine they're fine they don't yeah. fall apart like i don't understand the delayed falling apart when yeah
0: yeah that's a, the the other part would like when all of a sudden patch isn't right for the role because his toys are all falling apart. And I'm like, so we're blaming this all on patch. It's like, I just
2: look though. I will say, I like that patch is actually, he, he owns it and he, he gives it up instead Mm -hmm. of having to be fired or whatnot, because that is another part that it makes this really a good. It's a, it feels like a Christmas movie.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. You know,
2: you don't really have, there's no anger between Mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. The, elves the elves and right. santa and
0: yeah
2: yeah you know everything's good, you know he 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 misses patch, and then all mm-hmm. patch is trying to do is get he thinks that Santa's upset with him,
3: right, right,
2: and so he's trying to get back into santa's favor, but i I love that there is no hatred, mm-hmm. there is no admo- um uh, animosity animosity in in those characters because mm-hmm. there shouldn't be right. You know, even when you know Mrs. Claus says, "Oh, I'm glad we found out about this little boy. He doesn't deserve a toy." And Santa's like, "No, every child should deserve a toy." Right?
0: Yeah, I was gonna bring that part up too. Yeah, yeah. like how he, the creation of the naughty and nice list, and like there was a, you know, in this iteration of Santa Claus, there was a time where he gave toys to all kids. It wasn't a list which I thought was once again, that's part of the movie that I really like That was interesting.
2: Yeah, I like that. And I like the way they do the letters where the letters just magically, mm-hmm. you know, Mary Poppin' <laughs> style, go up the chimney and fly yeah. all the way to North pole, how the toys do that later. Right. When all the broken toys come falling
0: in, mm-hmm. I'm like, how does that happen?
2: <laughs> um,
0: yeah. And then there's the scene where they're all stamping the toys elf made. But we never see that later, like the toys anywhere. Like, I thought that I thought that was going to come up later with something. Yeah, with BZ, where you know he's putting elf made on toys that aren't made by elves or something of that nature. So, yeah.
2: But again, that would be more development with the story, which there is no (laughs) development with any. Any part of this story? As again, I, I really like this yeah, movie. Really. <laughs> yeah. But as a you know, as you and I are reviewing the movie, mm-hmm. you gotta review it. Yeah, with for that what critical. it is? Yeah. because this other than from what I looked at, other than maybe Roger Ebert, like critics mm-hmm. hated this movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And Roger Ebert, I think his only positives just had to do with the look of it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: with you know the sets like we talked about, right. And, yeah, so
0: there are there are definitely things to appreciate in it, even if the movie as a whole falls short of what it could have been and what you hoped it was going to be. But yeah, it's still worth worth watching.
2: It's worth a watch. It's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. I, I would not would not tell anyone. Yeah. Oh, don't watch that. Don't oh, watch yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's horrible. No. Watch. Watch this. Watch it. Yeah. Watch it.
0: All right. So let's talk about iconic and favorite scenes. Do you have an iconic scene for this one?
2: Iconic. Um, I would probably say just the, cause this is the thing that always stuck with me as mm-hmm. a child uh, in between my ability to watch it before I was able to purchase it
0: mm-hmm.
2: was the, the lollipops. Okay. I don't, I don't know what it was about the lollipops, <laughs> but the lollipops always stuck in my head as a, uh, so for me, that would be iconic, but, I honestly think santa's um initial uh takeoff
3: mm-hmm. there's, there's something mm-hmm. about
2: that that yeah you know, it, again, that's a- uh, aside from him saying yo but just <laughs> but just the look on his face is mm-hmm. you know he, they're going down the the ramp, whatever you want to call it, before they take off right uh, it, I mean it's just that's that' santa that yeah. is that is the way that should look.
0: Yeah, I think it's the second half of that. Someone he actually is like flying away from the Christmas star, that kind of that snowy background, and you kind of see him flying mm. out. Um, Yeah, that was going to be my like iconic. Like I remember that yeah. scene, and I would say even the we, we call it now the death scene. That's pretty iconic. I mean, that's something I've always kind of stuck with me of them fighting through the snow, you know, and then yeah, uh, I think my
2: young brain pushed that out. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> sure. Cause
2: I, uh, I, cause I remember when I, fi- when I finally bought it and then I mm-hmm. watched it, I was like,
0: I don't remember this. <laughs> oh yeah. So any favorite scenes? Are they pretty um, much the same?
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like a lot of the stuff in the North Pole mm-hmm. because it's just it's that's what the North Pole. That's the classic look of the North Pole, mm-hmm. um, and that's the classic Santa stuff uh yeah probably that i mean the for free is just that (laughs) just that one little moment is always gonna stick with me you know if i ever get a chance to say that to someone that is how i'm
0: going to say oh yes for sure yeah yeah Yeah, Um, it's it's like the (laughs) for free uh what does he say before that it's something else is that it's two parts that i can't think of it now
2: um, well, he he's telling them, he goes, and how much is it going to cost? And Dudley Moore, like, cost who? he's will cost the, the consumer for,
3: mm-hmm.
0: for
2: purchasing. Oh, we're just going to give it to them. It's just going to be for free. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, then he goes back in his chair. Right. And, right. Going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and Dudley Moore is saying, oh, how do you do that? How do yeah, you make do you your, your face hit? so, so,
0: so red, red so fast? Yeah. And
2: Yeah. Then he does the
0: for free. Right. Which in that scene, you could tell he was moving back to get under a red light to make his face look red, yeah. which I thought was pretty, you know, good old uh, practical effects. Um, yeah.
2: Which is another good thing about this with the Salkine, mm-hmm. uh, their production, because they did a great job with Superman and making you see Superman mm-hmm. fly. And yes, there was a lot of, you know, green screen type stuff, mm-hmm. but they're like. I'm pretty sure that when Santa takes off uh, from the roof with Joe, mm-hmm. that that was a practical effect. Yeah.
0: So, talking about practical effects, how do you feel about the puppet reindeer or the animatronic reindeer?
2: So they they kind of teeter tot on that uncanny valley. <laughs> it's it's kind of cool, yeah. Kind of creepy,
0: yeah. I think I appreciated it more as a kid, and seeing it as an adult, it's like, eh, I can see why they did it. I like they... it better
2: than yeah. If they had, yeah.
0: it, they, I think if
2: they had made them look too much like puppets, it mm-hmm. would have taken away yeah. from the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, there are times where they're they are real reindeer. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um but i think i think it works again yeah. it it does sometimes with their eyes mostly mm-hmm. it, it gets yeah, a little yeah. creepy <laughs> um and then there's that that time where uh, is it blitzen that's uh, afraid of the the flying oh
3: yeah, um, yeah, yeah. i don't and, remember which one it was but yeah i, yeah, I about.
2: but on the initial takeoff and he looks down and yeah, his eyes just, get he wide big, yeah. and then he covers <laughs> his eye with his ear
0: right right and i was like okay that's, eh. yeah I will but, say, I will say, like, I think the amount of time with the reindeer was good. Like it, if they would have spent too much time with the reindeer, it probably would have, it probably would have, it would have bothered me a little bit more. I think yeah. they, they didn't, they didn't overuse it. I think it was, it was just enough for me. Yeah.
2: But, but again, you go into another uh, pointless part. Um, you know, here are the twins, Prancer and Dancer. You can tell them <laughs> apart because of the little the monocle, monocle around their eye. Right. Okay, thanks. That's all we get. Never needed that again. <laughs> thank Thanks for that piece of information. That right. You, all you had to do was say they were twins, and we could move on. <laughs> Being able to tell them apart served not no purpose. A, not
0: important. Right? Yeah. I can't even say I could really see the monocle that well, even watching it. From... I could,
2: I could on the first one, whichever is the first one, I could yeah. see it. But then when he says the second one, I'm going, I don't, I don't see it. It just like <laughs> his, it looks like his eye socket.
0: Right. Right. Uh, yeah oh my goodness uh yeah i don't think i have any i think favorite scenes is kind of the same the i think the whole first all the santa claus stuff at the beginning before yes. patch leaves or before the whole well, patch before we introduced over. to joe yeah oh yeah 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 i think that's all my favorite scenes on that one segment so yeah and now these messages
2: Comic books have been around for almost a century. And in the last two decades, we've finally gotten to see many of these characters brought to life in movies and on TV. On the Moving Panels podcast, we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. Join me and my guests as we discuss both the good and the bad from Marvel, DC, and even some of the lesser known comic book companies. Learn what is and isn't from the comics, as well as our nerdy review of the movie or show. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So join us for moving panels,
3: and I'll see you on the other side of the page. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D. of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads.
0: If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80's and Christmas?
3: Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special.
0: Plus classics shown every year.
3: You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers,
0: and Cabbage Patch Kids.
3: Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap-Hap-Happiest Memory, Gagging with the Spoon, The Other Half of the Battle,
0: and Chant with the Littles.
3: So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories.
2: Later, dudes.
1: (sighs) What
3: seems to be the problem, pal?
1: There's just so much pain in the world,
3: so many issues. I don't think I can bear it.
1: Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette.
3: Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture-themed podcast or something?
1: That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR! But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something.
3: Wow, okay, sign me up.
1: That's the spirit. Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday. Available on all major podcast directories.
0: All right, well, let's talk about a few scenes and trivia. I don't have very much. I think I've already mentioned a few of these. Uh, we talked about the toys made. Uh, we The movie had promotional ties with McDonald's, Coca-Cola, and Pabst Blue Ribbon. Why not? Huh. Uh, McDonald's gave away one of four books with each Happy Meal, which chronicled the story of the film. I remember having... I think I got like part one and three. I could never find part two. I was so upset as a kid. You
2: you know, honestly, even though I was very tiny, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I had one. I remember those those little books.
0: Yeah. Uh, Of course, the movie itself showed scenes of people eating at McDonald's, which goes back to your point about when we first meet Joe. I'm thinking it's the 1940s. Yeah. And then we see them in McDonald's like, well, that's definitely not the 1940s. Um. Interesting tidbit, the theme song for the film, It's Christmas All Over the World, was written with Freddie Mercury in mind. Mercury recorded a demo for the song at Pinewood Studios, but ultimately turned it down as he was already committed to the Highlander soundtrack. In the end, Sheena Easton was chosen to sing the theme.
2: And apparently the that song was a bigger hit than the movie.
0: Yes, it was. I think I remember that. And then, uh, I didn't put this on my notes, but like Paul McCartney supposedly wrote a few songs for the movie, but then... Something they turned little, him down. Yeah, they just said no. But he ended up. They turned down the Beetle. Right, right. They probably didn't want to pay him. It's probably what the issue was. I think.
2: Oh, again, going back to the Saul kind. So right, exactly. It's always yeah. about
0: money. Uh You probably know this already, but worth mentioning: Marvel Comics published a comic book adaptation of the film by writer yep. Sid Jacobson and the artist Frank Springer, and Marvel Super Special number thirty-nine.
2: Yes, which I would love to get a hold of, mm-hmm. but. Cannot find it within my price range. <laughs> uh, so
0: what is the price range? Just curious to see.
2: I mean, what I saw it for, I mean, I could get like a, what, what was real funny I said I could have gotten one for like 10 bucks, which wasn't that bad. But when you read the description, it said that the picture was a stock photo and that the, the, uh, the comic wasn't in great condition. And oh. I'm like eh, <laughs> I'm not going to take my chances with that. If you're not even willing to show what it looks right, like right. in the image. Uh, but it's other only- than that, I think it was like thirty bucks, and then like oh, okay, plus you know twelve dollars shipping or gotcha, gotcha something, and I'm like, uh, I'm just yeah. I Keep mean, it's look. just a yeah. yeah, it's just a comic adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know the novelization actually goes into a little bit more detail. Okay. But, but from what I've gathered, the comic is just straight, straight adaptation. Yeah. yeah. It's just the movie. It
0: may have like some, cause I, I was, that was one thing that I liked collecting when I was younger was the movie adaptations. I still have the Batman one and I have a, I have Star Wars and, M- do I have all three of them now? I may have Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi now. I used to have Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when I was a kid and I had Alien Nation. There's a few others, but anyway, but usually they'll have some of the deleted scenes or like early, scri- early drafts of the script mm. that make it in there, so you get like you know, a little bit of, of both. So, but good deal. So yeah, just keep an eye out it's when we're at some of those uh, comic book predictions. Uh, yeah, I, I, I keep fine, on, right?
2: I, I watch them, but
0: we shall see. We shall. All right, let's talk about box office and critical reception. Santa Claus the movie opened in theaters on November twenty seventh, nineteen eighty five. It debuted at number 12 with just over $1.4 million during its opening weekend. It was beat out by other first-week releases, Bad Medicine with Steve Gutenberg at number 9, Disney's One Magic Christmas at number 3, King Solomon's Mines at number 2, and of course Rocky 4 which ruled the box office with a strong 11 million dollar
2: weekend. Okay, yeah, you're going up against Rocky 4. But the rest of those movies, <laughs> you're they, right. have have you have you featured those on your forgotten 80s flick? I, I have not. I don't <laughs> think I've heard of any of them.
0: I I know I've seen Bad Medicine and I know King Solomon's Minds. Both of those I saw on video and not in the theater. I've heard the name Disney's One Magic Christmas, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. If you, uh, yeah, I don't if think you have heard it. If you showed me a screenshot of it, I would know nothing of what it is. But it I'm, came in number three.
2: I'm going to look up while you're, you're talking.
0: Yeah. So uh, Critical Reception, rot- oops, sorry. Rotten Tomatoes is 20% on the tomato meter with a 66 audience score. And then bad enough, imdb has six point two out of ten viewers, but is not listed on Metacritic. So no critics, no critic reviews of uh Santa Claus, the movie on Metacritic. But yeah, 20%'s pretty pretty bad.
2: 20%'s bad. I I would I, I think sixty six is a little the sixties are a little low.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm in the 70, 75 yeah, range. I'm yeah,
2: I would say this is a solid C yeah. movie.
0: C plus. I think we've pretty much covered all of Santa Claus the movie we're going to cover for for this year. What do you say?
2: Yeah. Oh, you, for this year. So you want to come back and do it again next year? No, not Just necessarily. Make this, make this an every year, every year episode. We're gonna watch it every again year. And talk we, about we talk it about Santa Claus the movie. Right.
0: No. Uh, but I thank you, Dameron, me so much for joining. So, what's going on with moving panels? I know you're finishing up the year with Christmas, and then what you got for 2023.
2: Yeah, so we've uh, released our Christmas episodes uh, with uh, season greetings Mm -hmm. uh, from Lois and Clark, where Lois and Clark take on the Jeffersons. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We we just released that. Uh, We've got um, some interesting ones coming up right at the beginning of the new year. Uh, You and I are actually going Mm -hmm. to tag team and talk about talk about the classic and i am going to say classic <laughs> it is howard the duck oh yes so that'll be exciting and then uh for march madness as we get further into the year i'm gonna break down and spend the whole month talking about the ghost rider and all the different oh, yeah. uh incarnations there have been in movies and television for ghost rider
0: mm-hmm. i think i'm joining you on one of those you movies. are Yep.
2: You're, you're gonna talk about the most uh recent ghost rider the one from agents
0: of, agents shield. of shield yeah sounds good looking forward to it awesome 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 all right we'll be sure to follow the uh, podcast both of our podcasts you can follow subscribe rate and review if you enjoyed this episode share it with someone who loves 80s flicks and christmas as much as we do you can follow us on social media facebook instagram twitter and tiktok Uh, that's all i got to say thank you laramie for being a part always a pleasure to have you my friend
2: thank thank you and i did
0: this all for free. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I appreciate you guys. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Um, and look forward to what we're going to do in 2023. We got good things coming. So stick around. I'm Tim Williams for the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Good night, good people. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. No.
2: cell phone near you a show for all the manly men out there where guys talk about their favorite movies and what they can teach us about being a man featuring the coolest guests murder somebody is not like killing an ant the most gratifying laughs
3: it's tombstone what can i say
2: (laughs) (laughs) and a fresh take on movies like you've never heard before
3: This will be the thing that gets written on his proverbial tombstone.
2: We aren't here to criticize the movies you love, but to praise them for how they apply to our lives as husbands, fathers, and really all men in general. So buckle up your seatbelts, because Manly Movies is here. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast catcher. And remember, man up.
1: Hey everybody, do you ever just sit around with your friends and reminisce about days and how things used to be when you were a kid or a teenager or maybe even a young adult, the TV shows and the movies that you watched at the time, and how things just aren't quite the same today? Well, let me tell you, I've got the place for you. My name is Chris Adams, and I'm the host of the podcast Retro Life For You. And here at Retro Life For You, we talk about and discuss movies and TV that is retro, and we are going back from the 80s and the 90s and into the 2000s. Hey, sometimes we might even touch back to the seventies if we're feeling good. If this is for you, make sure you look for us on everywhere that you can find your podcast at Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google, Stitcher, or hosted on Anchor FM. And make sure you follow us on all the major networks and leave us a rating and a review. It really does help. Look forward to hearing from you.
3: You're still here?